The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. everybody it is friday june 9th 2023 and it is indeed a heck of a morning we are live on the mma fighting twitter spaces you can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the mma fighting podcasting network hello friends i am mike heck thank you for joining us we're on the eve of ufc 289 which goes down tomorrow in vancouver manda nunez versus rini aldana in the main event Big one between Charles Oliveira, Benil Dariush, the co-main event. We had the press conference yesterday. It's a pretty decent press conference, if we're being honest. Wasn't too bad. Normally, I just don't even want to go back and watch it, but this one wasn't too bad. I thought the questions were pretty good. I thought all the fighters, for the most part, got the opportunity to say some stuff. Nate Landwehr was just Nate Landwehr-ish, and it was wonderful. And we got weigh-ins coming up at noon Eastern today, so don't miss the weigh-in show on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. Of course, hosted by my best friend, Alexander Kaylee, Jose Youngs in Vancouver. We had PFL last night, which they needed a card that got people talking, and they did that. They did that last night. Big upset in the main event. Jesus Pinedo knocks out Brennan Lochnane. Brennan Lochnane is out of the playoffs, which is just absolutely insane to think about. But that is happening, I believe. I don't even know how big of a favorite Brennan Lochnane it was, but it was a, it was a pretty damn big favorite. Bubba Jenkins gets a, a nasty submission. Mavled Kaibulov 
nasty submission against Tyler Diamond. Gabriel Braga knocks out Mara Morais, who then ends up retiring. I think a lot of people were kind of relieved by that. We were a little heartbroken to see Mara Morais get stopped again, and then he announces his retirement, and one of the nice guys in the sport, no doubt about that. Uh, always very good with his time, and in his prime, in his peak, one of the most exciting fighters to ever step foot in a cage. So happy trails to Marlon Marais. Chris Wade gets a submission win. Impa and I gets a submission win. All in all, outside, of, unless your name is uh, the Delon Monte ending was pretty nasty and scary, but for the most part, pretty good night for the professional fighters. Like Deontay Wilder was in the house talking about maybe doing a two a twofer with Francis Ngannou, boxing and MMA. That was pretty interesting to hear about. Shout out to Jed Mishu for getting that one-on-one with Deontay Wilder. So there you go, PFL4 in the books. They'll be back next week in Atlanta, and we'll see if they can keep this momentum, I guess you could say, going a little bit. Uh, this is a free-for-all Friday. We are a little bit early today. We're starting a half hour early. As I told you guys a couple of months ago, I took my kid to the RBC Heritage Golf Tournament, and we took a shuttle, and before we even left the parking lot, the shuttle put a nice big fat hole in my back bumper. Car has been in the shop for three weeks. It is finally done. I can pick it up. And let me just say this. Unless you're living in a major city like New York or even like Boston or Chicago or something like that, and you have a family and you have multiple people in the household working, having one car sucks. Like it sucks. Like you can make it work, but it sucks. You can't do everything you need to do like – I love to work out. It's like gets me through my day. I like doing the CrossFit and just busting my ass in the morning and then preparing. And I didn't, couldn't do it yesterday. I couldn't do it today. Hopefully I can get something done this evening, but my wife is working. So I have to bring her to work. And by the time she needs to go to work, like I can't do a class cause I have to come back here. So these people who hit my car are paying for it. So in order to get my car today, I have to drive out to the business, which is like 25, 30 minutes away, pick up the check, and then I have to go to the body shop, pay them, get the key to the car, then drive back with my wife's car, do the weigh-ins, do the preview show, and then at some point today, I have to go back and pick the car up. So it's a pain in the ass. I literally only have like an hour to spend 75 minute window to like get all this shit done. And I have to leave the house by like 11 a.m. Eastern at the latest to get that done. So apologies if this is a little too early for you guys, but we got to do what we got to do. I wanted to make sure we could do a show for you guys. And it is a free for all Friday. So we can talk about UFC 289. We can talk about PFL. We can talk about some of the big stories, some of the big fights that have been announced. We reported last night, Karina Silva is back already. She had that nasty inverted knee bar leg snapper whatever the frig we're gonna call that disgusting submission uh she has already got her next assignments she has verbally agreed uh as did her opponent against marina morose ufc 292 in boston august 19th that was a very popular 
on to the next one selection. In fact, that was going to be my first choice, but I didn't know what Marina's status was going to be. She had posted on Instagram. She had like a, a procedure done. Must not have been too bad since she's going to fight in August. So that fight is great. Big opportunity. And this is how you create stars, people. This is how you, this is how fighters get notoriety. You have a big moment. You probably should have got a bonus. You didn't get one. Dana says he's going to take care of you. Talked about you at the press conference and then immediately get you right back in there on a big card. So they obviously see something in, in Karina Silva. This will be the second time these ladies have fought. They fought in 2014. It was a chaotic fight for XFC International back in 2014. And Marina Morose actually submitted Karina, Karina Silva in that fight in the first round. But that was n- nine years ago almost. And now they get to run it back. Karina Silva looking for some revenge. So let's go to the callers. Let's go to you guys. We're going to go for about 50 minutes here. Tristan, hello. Hey, Mike. Um, want to talk about – I mean, the PFL yesterday was pretty good. I, I have to give him so much credit. I was, I was enjoying that. So yesterday, cards. Kudos to PFL. But also, too, um, PFL 6, June 23rd, I was stunned to see that Anthony Romero is fighting OAM on the main event card. I guess it's the headliner. I was, I was, I was taken aback. I was surprised because I didn't even know when this fight was announced. Um, I had to go and figure out that James Lynch had um, interviewed Anthony Romero a uh, week ago, so this was already announced. Probably, uh, he, he. I thought it was a short notice for Romero, but I guess, I guess not. He knew about this couple of weeks. So, um, and the thing is, that the, the crazy part was the PFL. You know that fight that he had, he didn't even get a contract. So I guess now they gave him a contract here, and he's fighting OAM. I don't know what the betting odds is. Romero, I'm expecting to be an, a, a huge underdog, but I mean, this is a great opportunity for him. If he goes out there and beats OAM, let alone get a finish, I mean, this is going to be huge, and this is something, an opportunity that he needed here. I am excited for this card here. This card, and this card is really good. It's not that bad. So just your thoughts on this, so Romero getting this opportunity here against OAM. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting fight. A little uh, Canada on Canada action. I don't see any betting odds. For this fight, um, usually PFL odds don't come out till later. Like, no, DraftKings doesn't have them, I, I don't think. Uh, let me see. Yeah, no odds at all. Not, they don't even have odds. DraftKings doesn't even have odds for next week's card. But yeah, Anthony's a good fighter. He's a good prospect. Um, he's won a lot. His lone loss was to JJ Okonovich in a fight that I thought he won. But he's really good. He's really good. This is He's one of the guys that I think the UFC definitely should have signed. The fact that Dana – the reasons Dana didn't sign him were really puzzling to me. But, like, of all the fighters who have gotten contracts on the contender series, like, some have panned out and some have been really good and, and some have been really strong. We mentioned Karina Silva. She's one of them. But Anthony Romero, as far as talent goes, he's one of the most well-rounded guys who has been who have been on the show and had a dominant performance, hurt the dude that he fought, didn't get a finish, but he dominated him, just ran him over. 
and didn't get a contract. And since then, he's just been grinding away, waiting for that opportunity. I'm stunned Bellator hasn't given him a look. But he was on the Challenger Series, had another dominant win, didn't get a contract, and now he's in, getting a main event spot against Olivier Aubin-Mercier. So I think OAM's kind of on one right now. He is surging. Uh, I'm curious what the odds are going to be for this fight. There could be some value. Like if, if, if OAM's like a minus 600 favorite in this fight, there is a ton of value on Anthony Romero. A ton of value. I mean, this is by far Anthony Romero's toughest opponent. But the dude's really good. So we'll see how it plays out. PFL 6, June 23rd. ATL. Main event. Let me see what the rest of this card looks like. Got Sadabusai, Shane Mitchell, Shane Burgos, Yamato Nishikawa, Clay Collard, Stevie Ray. That's going to be fun. Magomed, Mag- Magomed Karamov versus David Zawada. Uh, yeah, it's a very PFL-ish looking card. Let's go to Toke. Hi, Toke. grasp on to a little thing you said about the PFL and the momentum they, they got from this. Uh, the problem is, imagine the fucking momentum. If they had told anyone about this card. Yep. Anyone. <laughs> <laughs> My God. I, I got so frustrated that I, I learned on the day of the event that this was happening. And it's like, yeah, okay. Uh, sure. I mean, I would love to see Brendan Lofnane. Like, the previous, like, the former champion in, the, in one of the premier divisions. Yeah, show me it. Tell me about it. What do you mean? It's like, oh, so frustrating. Um, and one thing I will say is, I mean, the results, uh, the results on this card was really good. And it was really, it was just really decent to see. I'm just so frustrated with them not promoting it. So... PFL, please just promote your next few cards because this was supposed to set off the last round of the of the um, uh, what's it called uh, the season, right? So it's a postseason after this uh, this run of cards. So you should this should be the kickoff right before playoffs. This is the play-ins, man. Please just oh. okay and. I want to say this, and this is not a question of any sort. Go watch the post-fight speech with Pinedo. Because they cut to a shot of uh, the reaction from the booth to the knockout. (laughs) Dan Hardy doesn't flinch. He doesn't do anything. He just sits there stone-faced while Kenny Florian is going completely insane. I, I don't know who makes the decisions around there. But, mate, you can't show that. You can't show Dan Hardy being completely and utterly disappointed in the result. You just can't. Like, okay, you have to show something else. Please don't show Dan Hardy like that. I mean, oh. But anyway, fun card. Good job, PFL. But please promote yourselves. Have a heck of a Friday. Yeah, and this is this is a problem. This is the same problem Bellator has. So... Don Davis can create all the bullshit graphics he wants about them being the number two promotion. And I'm, I'm saying there might be like some semblance of truth to the graphic, not 
I don't buy most of it. And plus a lot of the graphics were inaccurate, but to say like a lot of people's arguments about PFL being better than Bellator is that Bellator doesn't have any buzz heading into their cards. And there is definitely truth to that. There's no doubt about it, but there's no buzz heading into these PFL cards. None. There was zero buzz heading into last night's card. None. Zippity doodah. And as Toke said, who is a big MMA fan, he didn't even know the friggin' thing was happening until yesterday, the day of that it was happening. That is a problem. That is a problem. And you want to know what's crazy? I work in MMA. I live, breathe, and eat this shit. I didn't even know Marlon Marais was fighting yesterday. Until I looked at the card right before it started. I'm like, oh my God, I forgot Marlon Marais is fighting. That's bad. I kind of like at the end of the day, wish I didn't know he was fighting. But you got to be better at promoting. You got to let people know that it's happening. And people shit on the UFC for their marketing, but they don't have to market anything. They've won. They're so far ahead. People know. They know on this date something's going to happen. They know that a pay-per-view is happening on June 10th. They know. They may not care about the card as a whole, but they know a card is happening. Bellator doesn't do this. PFL doesn't do this. And Bellator thinks, and PFL's the same way. PFL just thinks like because they're on ESPN, everyone knows about it. No, that's not the case. And Bellator thinks like if they have fighters do a bunch of media, people are going to hear about it. That helps, but... I mean, Brendan Lockney was on the MMA Hour Wednesday and people still didn't know that the PFL card was happening last night. You got to be better at just letting people know not only that you exist, but you have things happening. It's, it's, you got to be better. This battle for number two, we were talking about on BTL yesterday, just laughing about it. Like this whole, hey, we're number two. We're number two. It's insane. And the way people go about it is, is just nuts. But the difference between like what the promotions actually promote are hilarious. Are hilarious. Like Don Davis is putting out that ridiculous graphic. Look at us. We're doing this. One championship's like, oh, we have 47 billion people watching. Here's our pretend Nielsen ratings. That said 470 trillion people watched our card last week, which nobody believes. But at least Bellator is like honest. Scott Coker tweets out, we're going to Chicago next week with two of the biggest fights in promotional history. They didn't say two of the biggest fights in MMA history. They said two of the biggest fights in promotional history. And I don't know if that's necessarily true, but you can make a case for both of those. Bellator is at least being honest with themselves when they promote. They may not promote enough, but when they make statements from a top level, it's not like they overshoot. They don't say anything like incredibly ridiculous. Like Scott Coker saying like we might have the best fighter in four or five different weight classes. That's not an egregious statement. There's a case to be made for that. When they say that the lightweight Grand Prix is the best lightweight tournament of all time. It might be true. You can think about it and be like, huh, that might actually be true. Don't know if it, it might not be. It might be true. It might not be true. But at least it's something like it's not out of left field where you're like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. At least they're honest with themselves. 
So I can appreciate that. But both companies need to do a better job of promoting. One does a real one's actually really good at it. They could take some notes from one championship. Their social media team does a really good job like letting you know what's happening. I don't know like every single car, like they don't like mass promote every single car, but the but the ones that are happening where like most people can watch, especially here, like they do a good job of promoting and like getting you fired up for it. Their social media team does a very good job with stuff. Plus, they're on Amazon Prime, so all you have to do is turn on Amazon Prime, and there's a big thing up there saying one championship, this date, this time, and you can just click on it. So, yeah, promotion is important. You have to let people know that shit's happening. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mikey, hello. So bear with me and hopefully I get them all out in time. First of all, um, I'm not trying to pile on Brendan Lothank because I actually like him as a fighter, but it's very ironic that today is Bill Algio's birthday and he name-dropped him for no reason whatsoever and the whole thing with the UFC, and then he ends up getting losing to somebody that doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Also, the irony is this. I'm glad he's happy in the PFL, and I'm glad that he's has the opportunity to compete for a million dollars, but nobody talked about it. He doesn't talk about it enough that how much of kind of the irony is he should be a world champion walking around with a belt, and he should be getting paid six figures for being a champion and defending that belt. He just lost, and if Pinedo doesn't win this tournament, that Win almost means nothing. I mean, I know it doesn't mean nothing, but you get what I mean. I mean, you're you're your team's your team sports fan too. You get what I mean by that. I mean that's Pineda should have a freaking belt. That guy is that guy is the featherweight champion, as far as I'm concerned. You know what I mean? But he's not, so it's going to be interesting how that pans out. Um, also, I, I find the irony of the hypocrisy about MMA fans and MMA Twitter. They talk about how these UFC cards, these UFC fighting cards, not the pay per views, are all so subpar and all this stuff. But then they gas up a lot of these other promotions cards, like as if they're, like, any better when they're really on the same part. I get the banner's different. I get the UFC's on a different level, but that's a different conversation. But I, I just find it funny. I mean, next week's Bellator card has 
its prelims feature like 85 people with no Wikipedia pages. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, but anyways, the, that's for uh, PFL's car. I'll focus on that. I was very impressed by that kid in the opening bout. The one that, uh, what's his name? Alex. Uh, oh my God. His name is Alexei. You know which one I'm talking about. I don't know if you watched the whole card, but he was in the opening bout. Oh God, I'm losing his uh, name. Pergandi? Yeah, Pergande. I, I like that kid. We, we don't want to jump the shark on him, but I, I like what I saw from that kid. That'll be interesting to watch. Um, Abby Montez, they're clearly bringing her along very slowly, but it's, it's it, you know, they need to capitalize more on the fact that she beat Clarissa Shields. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want beating Clarissa Shields not to amount to anything. And um, can't wait for tomorrow's card. And one more note. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I do this all the time. You know, people talk about all these, the UFC's oversaturation of the, all these cards. I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it in these spaces, but I can attest personally it's a very small sample size, but I've met several MMA fans throughout the last couple of years, ever since the pandemic, who said the reason they got into the UFC or became even bigger fans was because of those cards. Like, because they either didn't have anything else to watch or because they were on so frequently when they did have time, when they did have a Saturday off, that's what they were able to watch. Something to consider. Okay. Much love to you guys as always. Be kind to one another. Let's enjoy the fight tomorrow. See you later, bro. Yeah, I mean... The pandemic created a lot of fans. There's no doubt about that. And there were me, me in particular. I like when they first started doing like those those empty arena cards and the Apex cards. Like I was into it. Like listening to those shots. Like I always tell people who are newer fans that, or tell me like watching fights in the Apex is kind of boring. And I get that. Like when you. When you're in front of a hot crowd and you, and you can hear them go crazy and then you go to the apex, it's just like, ugh. But then I tell people to go watch the Justin Gaethje-Tony Ferguson fight when they fought at UFC 249. That was like the big events, the big comeback to sports. And like the thuds, the sounds of like all of it was just mesmerizing. It's one of those fights you watch where you're like, I don't know if I'm proud to be an MMA fan or if I'm like terrified of myself because I'm actually like watching this and enjoying it and not cringing too much. It was just very, it's just a very cerebral fight to watch and just to hear everything. And it's just, and it's not like the apex where there's like 150 or 200 fans and there's react, like there's nobody in there. You hear nothing but the coaches. It's just so wild. You hear, the echoes of every shot, just a in crazy like Calvin Cater's elbow to Jeremy Stevens is just terrifying in that place. And there is like a very cool cerebral factor to it. And then it just kind of gets old. It just it gets to the point where it's like, all right, we're just settling. And that's what a lot of these cards feel like. And again, I don't necessarily blame the UFC completely for this, because they have a deal, and they're making buco bucks, but and they have to put something on. And as we say most times, a lot of these fight night cards that are at the Apex on paper are awful. But it doesn't mean like it's awful because it's just fights, and we like fights, and some of them are very competitively matched. By the same token, at least for me in sports, I like when there's stakes. I like when fights matter. And I know it matters to each individual fighter because of the pay structure, which that could be a whole other podcast. But a lot of these fight night cards, like 
we always say, look, if you watch it, you're probably going to have a good time watching it. But come Tuesday or Wednesday, unless we have a Kai Car France and Mir Albazi situation where there's a controversial card, we're not even talking about it on Tuesday. Like, we'll talk about it Monday and then boom, it's gone. Like, we've had BTLs where we don't even mention a fight night card because of what's happening, because the news cycle moves so quickly. People want stakes, they want fights that matter. And more often times than not, we don't get fights that matter. And I think that's the big thing. I think that's the big thing. PFL, that's an issue. All right. Mikey, go. Spinato, all due respect to Brendan Love Lane. But if that is your MMA upset of the year, you're insane. It's Valentina Shevchenko and Alexa Grasso. I will not have any arguments. I get it. For If you want to say that's the biggest upset in PFL history, fine. MMA upset of the year, it's Valentina Shevchenko and over Alexa Grasso. It's the first time Valentina ever got submitted. It's the first time she ever lost in that division. Just please stop, people. Have some sense. Thanks, brother. Yeah, I mean, I don't – I think saying – Biggest upset in MMA of the year is a little too far fetched. I think I actually that like Brendan Lockney is a is a very is a good fighter. He's a very good fighter, but I think we maybe overvalued him a little bit, just a touch, just a touch. Like we had him in our rankings, and we ran down how good featherweight is just in the UFC, and maybe we just wanted maybe there was a, a reward factor to us ranking him in our rankings. Not saying that he shouldn't be like a, a fringe guy, but maybe he just wasn't the 13th best featherweight in the world. And I just, I don't like, Grasso beating Valentina is an upset, but to me, there are a lot of ways Grasso could have won that fight. So like, I wasn't stunned by the result. This one, I was like, holy shit. I can't believe that happened. You know what I mean? So upsets are what you make of them. And what you think of them, in mo like most arguments in MMA, it's just based on your opinion and what you think and how you value each ind individual thing. So, yeah, PFL, like th this PFL card compared to UFC 289, it's not even close. On paper, UFC's card's way better. The Bellator card is actually, I like this Bellator card a lot. At least, like we have name value, we have stakes. We have two title fights. We have Vadim Nemkov, Yo Romero. That fight, there is no gray area. It's either going to be an absolute war or it's going to be awful. There's no in between. I'm here for it. And the thing about Yo Romero is even if this is the worst fight of all time, you're still on the edge of your seat because this dude is so chaotic and he could just land one shot and change everything. Patricia Pitbull going for a third title is super interesting, even though Patchy Mick should probably be getting a title shot first, but that's just the way it worked out. Corey Anderson, Phil Davis, two recognizable names. I'm not a fan of the Daniel James, Gokan Sarakam fight being on the main card. I think Norbert Novenu Jr. should be on the main card because I think Norbert Novenu Jr. is not only one of the top three prospects in Bellator, I think he's one of the top th three prospects in the sports right now. These are, these are the things that Bellator needs to do better. They have this loaded three fights, and then they put – Rando heavyweight fight to open the main card. When you have art guys like Archie Colgan, when you guys have, have guys like Norbert Avenue Jr., when you have a bunch of like undefeated up and comers that you're trying to make a name for, 
you got to put one of these guys on the main card. Like, that's how you create stars, or at least attempt to. You think anybody's going to – how many people do you think are going to watch Norbert Novenu Jr. fight? It's like one of – it's one of 14 prelims. 14 prelims. It's just buried in the middle of 14 preliminary fights. How are you going to create a star doing that? Noveni should be on the should be opening the main card, hundred percent. We got to do better with that. And to go back to Toke's thing, the Dan Hardy reaction to Lockname getting knocked out is maybe one of my top five funniest things I've ever seen in my life. But again, to Toke's point, how could you put that on the broadcast? How can you put that on the broadcast? What are you doing? You don't have an editing team good enough to just like crop out Dan Hardy and just so Kenny Florian going ballistic. Now you got mopey Dan Hardy out there. This dude is about to get roasted for the next day. All day, this dude is just going to get crushed because you put that on the broadcast. Why even show it? You think it made that moment so much better? It did nothing. That moment did absolutely nothing for that moment except make Dan Hardy look bad. It's just... What is the point of putting that in the broadcast? You don't. MMA Twitter is smart enough to clip that shit off so that it's going to go viral. And that thing's going to go viral. I have seen that clip 5,000 times today and I haven't even tried to look for it once. Come on, man. Why would you put that in the broadcast? That did nothing for the moment at all. It's hilarious. God, is it hilarious. Incredible. CV, hello. Good morning, Mike. Uh, I hopped on this late, so, um, like, forgive me. Like, did you guys talk about any, um, like, males, uh, male bantamweight fights yet? Or No. No? Okay, perfect, perfect. Okay. Uh, just two quick things for me. Um, I saw Marcel tweeted out that they're working on um, Rob Font and Song Yadong at uh, UFC Boston in August. Um, yeah, just super early thoughts on that fight, just because um, they're working on O'Malley and Sterling as a main event, right? Like... Could either of these guys like sneak in and get a title shot if they get like an impressive finish, or do you think they're probably still like a fight away? And uh, one more thing, since free, since it's free for all Friday, is Nikola Jokic the best player in the NBA right now? Thanks. Jokic, I mean, if he's not one, he's in the top three at worst. He's just so good. I have to say this. Speaking of viral clips. The clip of Stephen A. Smith just getting absolutely dogged by uh, J.J. Redick on first take yesterday was just poetic. It was amazing. Stephen A. Smith's like, ah, you know what's crazy about Jokic? He doesn't have a dominant post game. And then Tim, like, uh, J.J. Redick's like, Stephen A., we have data for the last 10 years. You know what the most efficient half-court stat is in all of, M- in all of the NBA? A Jokic post-up. It was the best. And he just drops the pencil and Jason Williams is like, yeah, man, got you. And Stephen A. Smith tried to get himself out of it. He just couldn't. It was incredible. It was fantastic stuff. So I, I, I mean, obviously I saw Marcel's tweet and Marcel is usually pretty spot on. Uh, we've obviously reached out to people. We've heard zero confirmation on that as of yet. Doesn't mean it's not something, uh, there's a helicopter just flying over my house right now. 
I reached out to one side and I was basically told like, it's too long to text. So a phone call is probably going to be happening at some point today to, to, to discuss this. So I like the matchup. It's a good fight. The stakes there probably mean, I don't know. I mean, neither of these guys are going to get a title fight with the win. They're just not. Song Yinong just lost not that long ago. Got a nice win against Ricky Simone. Rob Font got beaten up in two straight fights by Jose Aldo and Marlon Vera. Get a, got a, had a great performance against Adrian Yanez. And I feel it'd be so sad if, like, one of those guys got a title shot and poor Marab Dewalish Willie's like, what the fuck, man? What else do I have to do? And Corey Sandagans right there. So, I don't know. They probably get themselves a big fight. I wanted Rob Font versus Piotr Jan. That's the fight I wanted, but maybe Jan's just not ready to come back that quickly. But yeah, Rob Font song Young's great fight. If that's what is what is to come, I guess. But we shall see. Rob should be on that card, that's for sure. Four Corner Sports, hello. Hey Mike, how's it going? Good. Hey, uh, I believe they're probably gonna hold on P- uh, Piotr Jan up until um the Abu Dhabi card. Just because if he's not ready to fight now, then it only makes sense for him to be placed on that Abu Dhabi card. But um, I saw Marcel ended up tweeting about uh, Viviana Arouge versus... Um, uh, Casey O'Neill. We reported that last night. Oh, you did? Okay. Um, now, I know Arouge is on a two-fight lo- losing streak, and O'Neill just suffered her first loss. Um, how do you feel like that fight's going to go stylistically? And... Could Casey O'Neill, with a win, you know, rebuild up momentum? I know I guess they asked about Miranda Maverick, and you know you're very high on Casey O'Neill, but it just seems like now more than ever that the flyweight division is getting stronger and stronger. Um, I know that, you know, it's it's I know what's called the UFC never made anything official, but it's pretty obvious that you know Alexa Grasso versus uh, Valentina Shevchenko is most likely going to happen sometime this year. Um, between, you know, outside outside of Aaron Blanchfield, who do you think from these uh, female fly, um, flyweights are, you know, is going to get the next title shot? And I saw you, you posted something of Melissa Dixon being signed by the UFC. Is this, like, a, a sign that, you know, Amanda Nunes probably gave him, like, notice that she's probably going to be retiring within this fight or the next fight? Because... I saw they, they had signed Melissa Dixon. I saw they had signed another female, um, Bantamweight. And maybe they've been hearing you and AK say about there's no Bantamweight division in, in the uh, for females. So, I mean, it looks like they're trying to stack up little by little on the female Bantamweight division. And lastly, um, I still think that Irene O'Donnell gets it done. Real question is, does Amanda Nunes walk away um, come Saturday night? All right, thanks, Mike. So I, I feel. I mean, I, I feel like Amanda Nunes is going to retire. I feel like she's going to retire. Winner. I, I feel like winner lose. She's going to retire. I feel like if she loses to Irene Aldana, I think she'll feel good enough with like Aldana as the champion. Her reasoning for not retiring after the Juliana Pena loss is like I can't leave this division with Juliana Pena as the champion. So I don't know if she'll feel the same way about Irene Aldana. At the end of the day, I think. Amanda has a lot of respect for Rene and vice versa. This is not like a, a trash talk fight or anything like that. Uh, 
and Juliana Pena got her title shot because she talked a lot of noise and she did a good job doing it. And she got herself a title fight and pulled off one of the biggest upsets of all time. And then got was one half of one of the most compelling ass whoopings in the history of MMA in the rematch. So I do think if Amanda wins, she walks away. And I think if she loses, she'll feel like the division's in a good enough place to walk away. Like what else does she need to do? She literally doesn't need to do anything else. She loses her, her legacy is cemented. It's just time. You know what I mean? It's just time. So, and, and that kind of goes to, and I just think, I think more of the Melissa Dixon and, and, and some of these signs, I believe there's like six or seven females who got signed. They're not all Bantamweights. There's some flyweights. I think there's like a straw weight mixed in there and a couple of Bantamweights. They got to build these divisions up. The Bantamweight division, there is no division. It's just Bantamweight. Duh. There's no vision. It's just, there's like 11 fighters. So we need to build this up. You can't even fill out a rankings. You can't even, there's no featherweight rankings. You can't even fill out a bantamweight rankings in the UFC with all bantamweights. There's like three featherweights in the bantamweight rankings. That is a problem. That is a problem. This division is just so dry right now. It's the same fighters. There's nothing wrong with that, but we don't have like, we don't have anything else like on the come up at all. We don't know when Julia Avila is coming back. Meyer Buena Silva maybe could be like the new fresh face to probably challenge for a title if she beats Holly Holm. It's just – and if, if Amanda wins, like, who is she going to fight? Who is she going to fight? I don't, I, it's crazy. So I think that's more of that. Like, we just need to get some bodies and just hope some of them pan out. And it's a lot of international talent, too. Uh, Melissa Dixon's like an English fighter, but she's known in – she's fought for Aries FC. She's fought in France a bunch of times. Like, she's fought all over the place. So it's a lot of international talent, which tells me that they're going to be doing a lot of international travel over the next couple of years. So, uh, like, Shauna Bannon just got signed. Could maybe a return to Ireland come? She's already got her next fight booked or her first fight booked. So – yeah, this is smart. Like, this is what you need to do. But also, you need to sign, like, contender series. Like, what's, what's crazy is we talked about the contender series. And, like, George Hardwick having to fight on the contender series, which makes no sense to me. And then they're just outright signing a bunch of women, which I get. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. Casey O'Neill, Viviani Araujo, uh, UFC 293. Manny Meyer first reported the matchup. Um, I believe he reported for August 12th. But again, it's the golden rule, people. If it's not on MAFighting.com, it's not real. Now, the matchup was real. But I was told that Sydney was the target and that the date was probably not accurate. And it turns out, we were correct on that. Um, I think this is a good fight for Casey O'Neill. I think stylistically, she should be favored in this fight. Just look at the three. Like Viviana Arouge is a good fighter. Her she's lost three out of four, but look at look at the losses: Caitlin Chukagian, Alexa Grasso, the champion, Amanda Hebas, who's been on a roll. I think if Casey can 
just out-volume Viviani Arujo. If she can just sit there and be calm and just not be reckless, she can channel that energy a little bit for good. I think she'll win this fight. I think she, this is a good matchup for her. It's tough, but it's, I still think stylistically it's a good matchup for her. It's a winnable fight. And a lot of maybe all of the ranked opposition that's there right now. Let me just see where she is ranked in this division in the UFC. Where is she? Uh, she is 12. Yeah, this is this is like inside the top 10. This is probably the best stylistic matchup for her. It's a fight she can lose, but I stylistically, this is a winnable fight. So I like the matchup. I like the fact it's on her home. It's in Sydney. She's going to have the crowd behind her. And let's see if she can bounce back after that loss to Jennifer Maya. But I like the fight. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My best friend, I, I, you heard your name and you want to, you have some, some thoughts. Did I? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I thought I might have. Yes, I uh, on to the next one, Chatter. No, I'm calling for uh, Free For All Friday talk. Uh-oh. Also, I'm, I need to talk to someone. I'm reeling from this. Uh, I went to bed somewhat early on uh, Thursday night. I guess the main event didn't roll around until like... When, when did the main event happen? When, when did Lock Dane and Pin- Pinedo actually happen? I didn't see the finish until like 3 a.m. I felt, <laughs> to be honest, I, I fell asleep watching it. Uh, I had softball. I was exhausted. Uh, hey. 95 degrees out playing softball. We had two playoff games, so I was a little wiped. Uh, but I woke up and like went back to it and, and watched the fight uh, at like 3 a.m. this morning. A stirring endorsement for uh, this main event uh, and for the pace for actually not the minute for PFL pacing, right? Uh, by the way, I don't know if you guys know uh, in Canada we actually have to pay extra to watch PFL now. Uh, it is not on a basic cable service. It's on TSN Plus. So it's like, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's an additional sort of extra charge if you want some of these, this sweet, sweet exclusive PFL, uh, PFL programming. So uh, <laughs> suffice to say, I haven't been doing that. Um, but I do keep up, of course, with the updates on MMAfighting.com. So I'm still really from that. But uh, just for Free For All Friday, Mike, I, want to, I know you saw the video of the... Uh, of TikTok star, uh, what's his name? I want to get his name right. Akums, a- a- Akums, I think his name is. I-, I shouldn't have to endorse him. He has like 24 million uh, TikTok followers. Doing the uh, Michael Jackson training. Did you see yes. that? Yes, yes, yes. Incredible, incredible. 
Uh, he has some other videos too, doing Michael Jackson tennis, Michael Jackson basketball, etc. It's very funny. So my question for you, I need you to put your DJ cap on, sir. Uh, your top five, your top five Michael Jackson songs. I, either your favorite songs or songs that you make sure that you got to spin every time when you're doing, you know, you're doing one of your gigs. So uh, whatever criteria you want, I'm, I'm curious. What, what, what are your uh, your top five MJ songs? Oh man. <sighs> So obviously Michael Jackson got very, very weird as his life progressed. So I, I, I am a, I'm an old soul. So I'll say that. So there's a, I, I tend to lean more towards Jackson five stuff. Uh, like I want you back as a, is a fucking jam. Like, I don't care who you are and how you feel about Michael Jackson. When you hear I want you back, like, you're ready to sing your ass off. It's a good jam right there. Blame It on the Boogie is an underrated song by them. Obviously, ABC is a classic. I don't think it's a very danceable song. It's just kind of like a, oh, yeah, this is cool. But I Want You Back is just slaps, man. Shake Your Body's a good one. Like, that doesn't get a lot of credit as a Michael Jackson song. And then you just go to, uh, like, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough is a – is an easy like dance floor starter. That's not like an end of the night song. That's like a beginning of the night song. That's like the first wave of dance songs. You throw that in there. Billy Jean's a classic for, for wedding songs. Those are like the two big wedding songs. And obviously um, I want you back by the Jackson five. And there's some like the way I think the way you make me feel is a jam. I have been known to sing a karaoke song or two, uh, especially when a libation or two happens to enter my system. Uh, I have been known to get a little, get a little aggressive and try to sing the way you make me feel. And it's not terrible. I'm told it's not terrible. What's the other one? Oh, there's one other one that's on my mind. Oh, man in the mirror, man in the mirror is kind of a slappy jam too. PYT is a good one. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many. There's so many. Man in the Mirror is, like, powerful, man. That would just get you. And if you like Free Willy, there you go. He's got a couple jams on the Free Willy soundtrack. Dude could sing his ass off, and he could perform. Sorry, AK. Yeah, I know you said five, but there's too many. It's hard to narrow it down. What's up, SK? Yeah, not much, man. Uh, I've got two things. Uh, I know I've hopped on in a bit, but um, I didn't even know that there was a PFL cut until I saw the um, MMA fighting coverage on my newsfeed <laughs> after it even happened. Like, why are they broadcasting midweek and not promoting? And secondly, how keen are you for the Nate the Train fight this weekend? And by what method do you think he inevitably, inevitably wins by? Cheers. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the PFL and the promotion and all that. Uh, they need to do, do a better job. Danny getting eight landwares, great fight. I'm picking Dan to win. I think he gets a finish sometime. I think he's just the better fighter all around, but Nate is just a psychopath. And when you're dealing with a psychopath, especially in fighting um, and a dude who just brings so much chaos to the table like he does. Like you can never count him out, but I just think like stylistically Dan's just better everywhere. I think Dan's a better striker. I think he's just better everywhere. And I think 
when you look at a fight like this, no matter how chaotic a guy is, I always, I always lean towards the dude who has been in there with the better competition. And it is without question Danny Gay has been in there with better competition than Nate Landwehr. It's not even close. Like, this is not a debate at all. Dan has been in there with everybody. And his losses are good losses. Like, they're, none of them are bad losses. He was, on, he was on a tough run, but it was like a murderer's row of guys that he lost to. All his losses are to, like, really good guys. Nakajima and Pancrase. The Julio Arce one I was there for. That was his UFC debut. Then he goes on and wins six in a row. His losses are Calvin Cater, Zombie, and Zombie looked incredible in that fight. That was one of, like, Zombie's best performances. Josh Emmett and Mavzar of Loyev. Like, those are his losses. But when he gets in there and he fights dudes that are, like, just outside of the top 15, dudes who are on the come up that have a lot of hype, that are, like, just there. Like, there's a difference between, like, like Mavzar of Loyev had a lot of hype. But he's a guy like we looked at right away and we're like, this dude could fight for a belt. He could fight for a title and it wouldn't surprise me. Damon Jackson goes on a nice run. And Dan Ige just Dan Ige just outclassed him before he knocked him out. Gavin Tucker was on one. And Dan Ige knocked him dead in 20 seconds. Like these are the types of fights that Dan Ige does really well in. Mursad Bektich, which back then at the time meant a lot more. Kevin Aguilar, who was 17-1 and one at the time, a lot of hype behind him, goes out there and beats him. Like, Dan just has fought better guys, and I think he's going to win this fight. I think he probably finishes Nate. I think Dan has a really good first round. I think Nate tur- turns up the volume a little bit. Things get a little wild and crazy. They have some big exchanges, and I think Dan's eventually going to catch him and get it done. But if Nate goes out there just, like, is losing – the fight into the third round and then just lands something out of nowhere and just hops on Dan and submits him like that'd be insanity. That'd be absolutely ridiculous, but no one's finished Danny game before. I don't know, but it's going to be a fun fight. No matter what happens, it's going to be fun. Four out sniper. Hello. Are you there, sir? Sorry, my connection's bad. Can you hear me? Uh, kind of. You're breaking up a lot. Okay. Uh, let somebody else go. I'll uh, try again in a little bit. No, I can hear you now. I can hear you now. You're good. Oh. Wait, you can hear me? Yeah, I got you now. Okay, okay. Heck of a morning. Uh, first off, I just wanted to say happy retirement to Marlon Marias. Uh, by happy retirement, I mean I'm happy he retired. Uh, it's been a big downfall seeing him lose nine straight all but one by tko or ko uh i say nine straight because that jose aldo win we already know it was really a loss but uh, uh your opinion on what happened like tomorrow marias did he just not evolve with the times there's a skill level did they have, uh, a mental self after the uh out not aljo um who did he lose to first so, uh, uh henry cejudo yeah uh, what do you think happened to him? Because nine in a row is that as a big. Yeah, I'm losing, man. Uh, thank you for the call. What happens? Henry Cejudo happened to him. Henry Cejudo happened to him. There are certain times in people in fighters' careers where 
a fighter just takes a piece of you, win or lose. And we've seen it a lot. Like um, the Robbie Lawler fight, like Robbie Lawler's career. Uh, and even Carlos Condit. When Robbie Lawler and Carlos Condit fought each other, those two guys are never the same after. They were never the same after that. Sometimes you're just in a war and you get cracked and like the fight just seems great. And like, but a piece of you just stays there and you can't get it back. And I think Henry Cejudo, you know, being able to take Marlon's best, best shots, just putting it on him and then eventually finishing him in the third round the way that he did. uh, I think that was just, that was kind of the beginning of the end right there. I also think the weight cut, that late in his career is really getting to him. A move to 145 probably should have happened a lot sooner. But dude is just action-packed. Dude is just action-packed. And I know like his legacy gets a little bit tarnished and people look at him in a different way because you know, going 1-8 in his last nine fights, and like you said, some people think it's 0-9 because of the Aldo fight, and then just getting finished in six straight or seven straight. It's just a bad look, and it's almost like BJ Penn-esque. But, I mean, Marlon's career up until that point was just, I mean, just ridiculous, just so action-packed. His run in World Series of Fighting was incredible. The Rafael Sunset fight, a lot of people thought he won that fight. The Dotson fight was good. He just annihilated Aljamain Sterling. He annihilated Jimmy Rivera, which at the time was like, Jimmy Rivera had won like 20 in a row. Then he fights the Sunsao again and chokes him out in the first round. He looked really good in the beginning of that Cejudo fight, but just kind of ran out of gas. Like, and Cejudo just kind of took a piece of him. And that happened, what? Literally, that's crazy. Four years to the day of that Henry Cejudo fight is the day he retired. That's wild. That's crazy to think about. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, kind of poetic when you really think about it. But one of just one of the great guys, like one of the great guys, nice interview, um, probably went a little too long, got to the point where like every time he was booked to fight, we we're like, Oh man, like, I don't, we're just, we're just worried for the man. We just didn't want to see our heart. We just didn't want our hearts to get broken again. And I think, it, I think he probably should have retired after, and he did sort of retire after the song he done fight. He retired, and then he signed with PFL and made a bunch of money. So I can't blame the man for trying to take care of his family. It's just enough is enough. And here's my message to one David Feldman. Don't even contact this man. Don't even contact him. Don't call his people. I don't care how much the envelope is. Do not call this man. Please, for the love of God. You have a stacked enough roster. You don't need Marlon Marais on it. Do not call this man. I do not want to see Marlon Marais at BKFC. I do not want to see this guy fight again. You know what he'd be great at? Get him on the PFL broadcast. Get him on the broadcast. Do something. You're a global brand. You could do some Brazilian commentary. You could put him on as an analyst. Like You could still use Marlon Marais as an ambassador. There's no better. There are very few guys who would do a better job at it than Marlon Marais, if we're being honest. So, Happy Trails, one of the just most fun fighters to watch for 
most of his career. And if you ever want to just go down a rabbit hole, just go find old Marl Marais World Series of Fighting Fights. And you will have just a great time. You'll have a great time going through and watching those because that dude just got in so many wars and had so many finishes. Really fun. Viking, take us home. How are you, Mike? Good, how are you? Mm, I'm fine. Uh, I was listening to BTL the other night and uh, New York Rick seemed uh, kind of uh, off. So is he okay? I just want to know. Is he okay or not? Yeah, Rick's okay. Rick's good. Uh, and the other thing, I was listening to Michael Bisping, pod, uh, Michael Bisping podcast and he just interviewed uh, Benil Darius and at this point, at this point of his uh, career, Benil Darius said, title shot is not important for me, but, but the fighting top five guys. So, I think he has a brain fade, and I'm sure if UFC want to duck him in the future, they have an excuse. And and the same guy said Jesus Christ is the best in front of all the Muslim arena, all the people filled with all the Muslim people filled in the arena. So, what do you think about that statement? which was made by Benil Darius that he doesn't want title shot is not the UFC title is not important for him. So I didn't, I didn't actually hear that. Um, I mean, if at this point in his career, like how can you say that and actually believe that? Like, what, what are you fighting for? Just for the love of the game. It's not about making money. Like you make the money when you win the title. That's when you make your money. So, I don't know. He kind of shrugged it off. Like, I thought Dana was really interesting at the press conference. The we'll see out of him gives me a little bit of trepidation, but maybe he's just saying that from the from the Charles Oliveira perspective. Because, I don't like, I, like I've said, I don't have – Oliveira seems very confident that if he wins this fight, he's just going to fight Islam next. I don't think that's true. I don't have that same confidence. I do feel very, very strongly that if Benil Darius wins, he will get his title shot. There's just nobody else. Gaethje and Poirier are not going to be able to turn around and fight Islam Makachev two months later. They're just two and a half months later. It's not going to happen. Those two are going to kill each other. So what do you do? You just hope it's, – it's, if Volk just destroys Jair – and just says, Islam, I'm coming to Abu Dhabi to fight you, and cuts a great promo, could see a world where Benny gets screwed. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know. And then the 280 post-fight speech was just one of the weirder ones. Uh, that moment in particular, because like a lot of people like read the room, and the other thing was just one of the all-time worst like set yourself up for the next step types of statements I've ever heard. Yeah, man, I'll fight 10 more times. Just one of the all-time worst post-fight promos ever when trying to get where you want to go. So we'll see. Hopefully he's interesting on the mic. Don't say that again. Just don't say that again. Or don't say like, 
well, I said 10 fights. Now, now I just need nine more. Like, don't, no. You just go in there, make it simple. Do it, do it Benny style. Hey, Islam, UFC, you promised me the shot. You said if I beat Charles Oliveira, I get the title shot. Islam, respect you. You're a great champion, but I'm coming for that belt. I'll see you in Abu Dhabi. Drop the mic, get your ass out of the cage, and that's it. There you go. Don't overthink this. Just keep it simple. Islam, I'll see you in Abu Dhabi. UFC, you promised me the shot. I won. See you in October, bitches. Goodbye. Don't have to do anything out of the ordinary. All right, rapid fire. I have to get out of here in like five minutes. Barbarossa, hello. Good. Friday. I'm good. Good. Um, I just want to ask you um, a general question about when people fight despite injury and people coming up at weight uh, and weight. And it seems like if they win, all people are going to praise them. And if they lose, the people are going to come hard at the opponent who beat them. As of late, we have seen Aljamin Sterling beating uh, uh, TJ Dillashaw and Bilal Muhammad and so. And people would not give a credit for the people who won. And they are risking in principle nothing. For, uh, it's all... He gets praised if he wins, he gets praised um, if he loses. And uh, the other guy, he's just risking it all. And I don't know if this is fair. It should be not. And second thing, it's not MMA-related. Uh, the GOAT signed for Inter-Miami. I just want to... It's called soccer from now on. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Mike. Yeah, that was uh, obviously big news. Some people have, like compared it to Pele, and I'm just like, you guys are on drugs because it ain't like Pele. But soccer's obviously in a different place now. Football, uh, much more worldwide and much more regarded now. More people are watching it. AK talks about it like every single podcast we do. Ariel does too. Um, it's just it's, it's a difference. It's just different now. It's just so much bigger than it once was. The other question you had, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. The Bilal thing is a weird one. Like, I don't understand why Bilal got any hate because Gilbert got hurt in the fight. It's not like he showed up injured. Like, I'm sure he had some, maybe some nagging things going on, and I'm sure Bilal did too. I mean, Bilal the ankle, for God's sakes. Remember the ankle gate? Everyone was talking about Bilal's blown up ankle. And then he goes in and wins. Like, but because Gilbert got the shoulder injury in the fight, like he doesn't get credit. But the the injury happened in the fight. So yeah, I think people kind of veered back on that one. The Sterling Dillashaw one was really weird. Like people just hating on Aljo for just eating that man alive because TJ fought with the shoulder injury. And I remember I interviewed TJ right before that fight. And he said, you know, after I win the belts, like, I'm going to tell people something that they don't know. And I was like, oh, interesting. He goes, I'm not going to tell you now. Like, nobody knows. Only, like, a few people know. And I think he wanted to go in there and be like, I beat this dude with one arm. And obviously that didn't happen. So uh, Sterling getting any heat for that is just weird. I just – 
it just adds to just this very bizarre title run that this man has had. You know, winning the belt the way he did, which is totally fair, by the way. He doesn't deserve any criticism for that. The close fight with Jan, the Dillashaw fight, all weird. And then the Cejudo fight, also kind of weird because of the way the scorecards played out. But Aljo deserves more respect. I've said this for a long time. He might be the most underappreciated. He's one of the top five most underappreciated champions in the history of the company. And the way his, from where people appreciate him to like how good he actually is, just the, the divide there is kind of unbelievable. But we'll see what he's about to fight Sean O'Malley. That's going to be real interesting. All right, we'll take one more and then I got to go. Yeah, yeah, hello. Big Mike, what's going on, man? Heck of a morning. You too. Um, yeah, I guess I was just going to piggyback off what you were saying about Aljo. Do you think that after he leaves the division, he'll be more appreciated? Or do you feel like after he retires, um, he'll be more regarded as like one of the best band weights like, of all time? Appreciate you, man. Have a good Friday. Um, probably the latter. Probably the latter. I think Aljo is going to... It's it's kind of hard to compare him. He's a, he's in such a different place of his own, I guess. But I think we're gonna look at him kind of like Daniel Cormier, Demetrius Johnson in a lot of respects. Like I know DJ's still doing the damn thing, but that it's gonna stop. And it took DJ kind of leaving the UFC and going to one and having the Adriana Marais loss and then coming back and beating him twice and. For people to be like, ah, oh, y'all must have forgot how good this dude was because he never got any appreciation in the UFC from anybody. Fans, the promotion, which is very similar to with Aljo. A lot of the fans don't give him the credit he deserves. Dana shits on him every chance he gets. The UFC dumps on him every chance they get. They try to put him in really tough, un- tough situations all the time. So, like, there is kind of a similarity. But like we said about DJ, he'll be appreciated more when he's gone. And I, and I remember saying that about Daniel Cormier too. Daniel Cormier is going to be one of those guys that when he's gone, we're going to be like, damn, he was really good. And probably should have treated him a little bit better when he was still around. And I kind of feel like Aljo's, in a different way, is, is right there. I don't know what the reaction is going to be to him going to 145. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to – I don't know if the UFC is going to, like, push him to be this dude. I don't know if they're just going to push him right into a title fight. Like, I'm just – I just don't know what the reaction is going to be. Like, if he goes out there and just melts Sean O'Malley and then gets on the mic and says, Volkanovski, I'm coming. I'm coming up to 145. Watch out, bro. Like, what do you think the reaction is going to be? Is it going to be the same as – Volk going up and fighting Makachev? I don't think so. Are people going to be super... Like, is Dana White going to go to the press conference and be like, they put this over as an idea? I don't think so. So, I don't know. I think it's more... I think it's more going to be the latter for Aljo. Like, when he retires and walks away, I think if he beats Sean O'Malley, he has a very good case of being the greatest Bantamweight of all time in the UFC. He'll have all the records, all the title defense records. He won't be tied with anybody. He'll be in a league of his own. 
when it comes to that. And he was pretty active for the most part during this run. Like this run he's been on is incredible. The names he's beaten to get to this point has been unbelievable. He deserves a lot more credit. His resume is as good as anybody else's. And if he gets that title defense record with his name and only his name there, he's got a case. And I don't think anybody will give him the credit he deserves until he calls it a career. But there you go. All right, we are done. I got to go. I have to go run around and just deal with a bunch of real-life stuff. So weigh-in show coming up at noon Eastern. Don't miss it. The great AK Lee. This is like his – it's like a holiday for AK. He loves the weigh-ins. Loves weigh-ins just like the Ultimate Fighter. It's like 1A and 1B for my best friend. We will have a preview show live. Myself, I believe my best friend will be on that as well. And Shaheen Al-Shadi, 3 p.m. Eastern. Get you ready for UFC 289. People's pre-fight show tomorrow. I believe right around 6.15 p.m. Eastern. We'll take your questions until the first punches are thrown. And then it's watch party time. I'll be hopping on a plane to beautiful, clean-aired New York City for the UFC 289 watch party. Excited to see my man GC again. Uh, We have a gimmick in terms of wardrobe, so get excited for that. Uh, I have to go pick up the, the, the finishing touches on my ensemble later on this evening. So it's going to be a good time. So if you're dropping the 80 bucks, watch it with us. If you're not dropping the 80 bucks, we'll tell you what's happening. Save your money. Watch the fights with us. So thank you very much. We'll see you later on. Have a great rest of your Friday. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Ability and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.